T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight on what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome in, everybody. Hour number two, Sandstorm, means we're joined by our buddy Tim Fitzgerald, GoPowerCat.com. Fitz, uh, an interesting time of the year. We'll get to maybe some signing day in just a little bit, but it is very clearly basketball season in Manhattan, which has been such a fun development. Uh, Let's look back first. KU gets revenge at home. I don't think it... There's a whole lot to worry about if you're K-State. That was sort of as expected, I think. They had some opportunities to get it a little closer, but, you know, they lost at one of the toughest places to win in the country. No worries here long-term. How about you? Yeah. I mean, anytime you go on the road and turn the ball over 10 times in the first half, you're going to have problems. And when you do that in Allen Fieldhouse, you're probably going to have problems and a loss. And that's that's what happened. I mean, they had the... Rash of turnovers in the first half, fell behind by 12 at halftime and lost by 12 in the game. They just, you got to be more precise in everything you do if you want to win on the road in the Big 12, particularly if you want to win in Allen Fieldhouse in case they didn't get that done. You know, Fitz, I thought it was interesting in watching the game uh, the other night, and I, I felt like um, Keontae Johnson struggled early, but then at one point I looked at his stat line, like midway through the game. And I was like, man, how, how did he get, how did he get those points that he got? I mean, it was like all of a sudden uh, he was in double figures. Uh, and it, I think it just shows how much of an impact he can make in a short amount of time. What was your big takeaway from Johnson in that game? Well, he sneaks up on you. There's no doubt about it. And, um, you know, he kind of did that against Florida. I expected him to have a, a big game against his former teammates. And, you know, uh, he didn't feel like he did that much and ended up with a double-double. And, of course, he had another one against Kansas. Uh, He does kind of sneak up. Um, You know, as as good as he is and effective as he is for Kansas State, he's also got to cut down on his turnovers. He was a big, you know, part of the problem there. He's he's getting himself uh, into issues when he over-penetrates. He lets too much help side defense disrupt him. And, uh, you know, he just uh, gets himself into some jams. But, boy, the dude can play also. He can just really uh, elevate over the defense and score. Yeah, it, it's he was great. Noel struggled a little bit, but 
K-State, as we look ahead, Tim, those guys are obviously going to have to be the guys, I think, the rest of the way. And right now, immediately, I, this schedule right now with games coming um, that are just massive, obviously, Texas, uh, but then you've got TCU right there, both at home. And we talked about this, I don't remember what day it was, probably yesterday. Do these feel like games, like if K-State wants to be in that mix, they at least need to win one. But is this a scenario, all right, this is a top 10 team, you've got those two opponents coming in, but who cares who's coming in? you got to win these games at home. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very valid. You just have to find ways to win. Um, and in this conference, that's difficult. We're seeing West Virginia start to play better basketball. We saw Tech beat Iowa State. Um, they're just finding victories. In the conference, it's a challenge. But when you look back now at K-State at the halfway market in the Big 12 uh, schedule at 6-3, and three, they've gone to Lawrence. They've gone to Ames. Um, they've gone to Texas and Baylor. Oh, and they've gone to TCU. So uh, they've played at the other five venues already of the, you know, the, the top six, perceived top six in this conference. So uh, they have to protect their home court. They have to go out on the road and, and try to get those games that are difficult at places, you know, like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, um, and Tech. Those, those are all on the schedule still ahead. So um, they, they've got a great opportunity here. But, yeah, defending their home court these next two games against Texas and TCU are pretty darn vital to their success. Well, we all know about the drama that has happened in Austin this season with Chris Beard and Rodney Terry coming in as the interim coach. And, you know, a lot of a lot of folks were wondering, including myself, how the Longhorns would be able to respond in the midst of all of that drama. And here they are. They're a game ahead in the Big 12. What's the best way in your mind for Kansas State to match up and to game plan against the Longhorns? Well, you know, they had that kind of silly, chaotic, high-scoring game in Austin early in the season. Um, and, you know, I mean, if you're setting anything off that game, the over-under on Saturday is 209, um, or 219, I guess it would be. Uh, it, it was an absurd game. I don't know if this one will even replicate that. I mean, this might end up being a low-scoring affair, but these two teams, when they got together, absolutely got up and down the court. It was a fun game to watch, maybe not the best defended game, but both teams are really good offensively. So how this game manifests itself will be very fascinating to watch if they get back right back into that saddle and start running up and down or if Texas decides, well, we can't let them do that again because that just got away from us. So, uh, But K-State could use a game in which it gets a little more comfortable scoring because the defenses in the Big 12 have made life really difficult on the Wildcats as of late. Uh, Tim, I, this is totally off topic. I see uh, that you guys on a on a recent video podcast, you've got the lavender uh, cartoon looking cat hoodie that everyone's you know clamoring for. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about K State unis here, uh, you guys they've gone old school in football. How how much lavender should we be seeing? Tang's obviously who's you know famously colorblind embraced it. I think because people like it, but how, how much of, of the lavender needs to be a part of the K-State mix here? Uh, see, I think K-State really needs to lean into the lavender. I don't know if it means, um, you know, any full usage in football. Um, you know, maybe 
an alternate uniform with some, you know, replacing the silver trim with lavender would work. But for basketball, kind of the source of where the lavender history came with Kansas State, I don't, I don't think there's enough. And we're, you know, we're we're seeing it pop up in other sports, uh, particularly on the women's side. Volleyball's using it. I think tennis has used it. Soccer. So it's. It's a unique color to Kansas State, and I think Kansas State needs to lean into it as much as possible um, because I, I think it's a, a very uh, interesting branding opportunity for K-State. No other purple school really uses lavender, um, and it obviously it, it's selling very well with fans. It's those lavender, that, that lavender pullover you mentioned, um, that thing's gold. I, you just can't get it. I was able to you know hop on and grab one real fast. Um, but it's uh, it's really a, a cool opportunity for K State to set themselves aside when someone turns on the TV and sees lavender basketball uniforms. I think the the world will eventually realize that's Jerome Tang's Wildcats. And, um, that, that's kind of cool if you can have that immediate immediate identifiable thing about your program. Well, I know this is a hard hitting conversation about uniform colors, and so I have a very important follow up to that. Uh, <laughs> is it fair to say? that the best lavender for Kansas State is when they rock the lavender tops and bottoms and you don't have the lavender top and dark bottoms? Yeah. yeah. See, okay, so I'm an old school guy. I mean, that's that's how the lavender was born. You know, the, the story is they wanted to change it up. I, I think that I, I really truly believe as someone from Salina and those uniforms were made by a Salina Sporting Goods store, that they just simply put down the wrong color code for the tops. And, you know, back then you were kind of stuck. I mean, it took a while to get your uniforms. Um, and uh, I, I tend to believe that. I'm not sure you would intentionally mix the lighter purple with the darker purple. Um, that's why the tops and pants didn't match. But, but while that's the historical context of the lavender, I'm with you. I think the all lavender uniforms are are really strong for Kansas State. Um, and, you know, they're, they're a little bit less annoying, maybe with the two-tone. But it, I, I love the all-lavenders, and I think K-State should use them as much as their purples when they're on the road. Uh, they need to go all-lavenders. It will look better. Um, I, I, and, I, and normally, Tim, I'd be totally with you with a good story like that. But, man, if they could just embrace, like, the all-lavenders. Instead of white at home, you go that at home. You'd have everybody talking. You'd have everybody talking. Uh, everybody's talking about K-State football still. Signing day yesterday. What do we need to know about signing day? Signing day is weird now, right? We There's not really any more surprises or anything. Did we miss any surprises on signing day or anything that we weren't generally aware of happening yesterday? No, everything that uh, you know happened yesterday was related to transfer portal guys that are already on campus maybe, but it yeah, the, the February signing period now is, you know, for the late signees, K-State didn't have any. They filled up in the early period. Um, it's kind of a shame. You know, they've taken football. The intention was to let kids sign early, but now they've just shifted signing day away from a slower time in early February to a busy, busy time postseason as you get ready for a bowl game. So it's kind of a mess now. But uh, my guys are up at a press conference right now talking to some of the the newcomers, the early enrollees, <clears throat> and we'll have content up at Go Powercat here a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, okay, so back to basketball then. Um, 
what is has anything changed with this team? You know, the Florida game's interesting because it's in the middle of everything, but they are on a two-game conference losing streak. Granted, on the road in probably the two most difficult places to play in the yeah. conference, and they were both highly competitive games. Does a two-game conference losing streak scare you at all? We haven't really yet seen this team have to respond to something like that or feel the pressure of that, right, with as tightly contested as things are in the league as we move forward. Is that is that something we're excited to see? Is there any concern there because of the Florida game mixed in? I'm having a hard time with that Florida game kind of getting in the way of of evaluating the Big 12 play. Well, I think the coaches would agree with you in saying that the SEC challenge gets in the way in the middle of the conference. <clears throat> no doubt about that. I, Yeah, I'm not too worried about having back-to-back Big 12 losses at places like Ames and Lawrence. Um, now, if you come home Saturday and you don't defend your home court with with Texas, uh, you got some issues. I mean, because then that puts a lot of weight on that TCU game coming up. Um, but uh, if, you know, they – can continue to protect their home court. They're un, unbeaten at home this year. Uh, they're going to be in pretty good shape because they have won some games on the road and they will win some more games on the road. Um, you know, so they just protect their home court at this point. They're they're in pretty good shape, and we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. What do you think the most important thing? Let's let's look ahead now. K State's going to be a high seed in the tournament. I think their aspiration will be to make a deep run, obviously, and I think they're certainly capable of it. So if we're trying to look big picture then and, and even bigger than the next two games that are massive, right, what is what is the thing that needs to happen, you think, for this team to take the next step and be the best version of itself? They, they need someone to kind of step up and assert themselves as the third consistent score. Earlier in the season, I would have thought it would be you know, Naquan Tomlin, who, you know, now that he's getting deeper into his first really highly competitive college basketball season, I think we're seeing him wear down a little bit. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if it'll be one of the guards that steps up, Camp Carter or Desi Sills, and becomes a consistent third scorer, but they need someone else to lean on um, because we're now seeing a lot of nights where either um, Keontae Johnson or – Marquise Noel get kind of slowed down, shut down, limited. They need that consistent third score that you really need to be uh, a top-flight team. So that, that's something I'd, I'd like to see. Maybe David Kassan will turn into that now that he's he's back and starting to get back in the groove. It's going to take him, I think, a few more games maybe to really feel his way after sitting out a month. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's exactly what I would say. Um, Naquan Tomlin's interesting. You brought him up. He's a junior. He's getting NBA sniffs now. He's showing up in a lot of mock drafts. What do you think his future is uh, next year? Do you think he'd, he'd be a player to come back and try and elevate his game up into the lottery, or do you have to take a shot if you're him and, and take your chance now? Uh, I, I think he's got to come back. He just doesn't have enough basketball experience. Um, you know, not playing high school basketball, going to junior college. <clears throat> He doesn't have enough high-level competitive uh, experience, and I think this is a, a great opportunity for him to expand his game. I mean, he, he could really be the guy next year if he continues to work on his shot. He, even at 6'10", he's got to develop that outside shot to be more consistent if he wants to be the type of player he can be in the NBA. He's just a, he's a special talent because 
you don't see guys at that size that can handle the ball as well as he can pass it. He's just so athletic. Um, he can, you know, get a play above the rim. So there's a lot of stuff going on here with him that makes it uh, a really special player. Uh, one more for you, Tim, as we're talking about the roster. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody's thinking about it yet, but there's always the fear, right, that this is lightning in a bottle. We like the class coming in next year, and I don't know the COVID statuses of all these guys, but Keontae Johnson, Marquise Noel, Desi Sills, um, Tyke Green, like all these guys probably will be gone. Um, how how good can they be, you know, long term here? Is it going to take transfers? Is the I mean, obviously they'll go after transfers, but is there enough if if let's say Tomlin comes back and the and the young guys they're bringing in that they're really high on? Is there enough there, or or what are we thinking about after we get through this year? Yeah, well, keep in mind they have three red shirts that are sitting out. Um, you know, I, I think they're really high on a lot of these guys, um, and uh, they will be much younger next year. I think they'll probably mix in a few uh, transfer portal guys to kind of help them out. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a reinvention of the invention he had after – uh, one season, and we'll see if he can translate that with a less experienced roster. Because, you know, as much as we talk about they had to rebuild this roster with so many new players, they brought in a lot of experience. They got a lot of fifth year guys on this roster that, or even six year guys that um, really know how to play college basketball and compete at this level. All right, Tim, uh, gopowercat.com. What do you guys have going on on the site right now? A lot of stuff with between football recruiting and uh, basketball, um, and uh, you know we'll, we'll continue to uh, break down that new Big 12 football schedule uh, that came out finally after a long wait. Um, my condolences to all Oklahoma State fans who um, apparently are no longer allowed to play Texas school. I don't quite understand what happened to their schedule. Yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a weird year. I think it's going to be a fun year, though. It'll be, you know, however many we get, it'll be. It'll be a good one. All right, Fitz, we always appreciate it. At Life of Fitz, gopowercat.com. Uh, let's do it again next week after we get through that big Texas game. Okay, boys. Great to talk to you. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. You can go back and listen to any piece of that, kfhradio.com. Tom and I will be back with more Sports Daily right after this. Daily is on KFH. They say we're young and we don't know. We won't find out until we grow. Well, I don't know if all that's true. Cause you got me, baby, I got you. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock. Tommy Caster on this Thursday. If you missed anything with our conversation, Tim Fitzgerald, Chelsea Messenger, you can find those at kfhradio.com. We got a shocker game coming up tonight on the network here. Uh, pre-game coverage of the 8 o'clock tip begins at 7 o'clock. Mike Kennedy will get you ready for it. Tommy, I saw this uh, yesterday. The NFC South quarterbacks, Charlotte Sports Live, put this out on Twitter, covers the Panthers. 
Kyle Trask with the Buccaneers, Matt Corral with the Panthers, Jameis Winston with the Saints, Desmond Ritter with the Falcons. Uh, I couldn't make it through without laughing. Uh, This is bad. And and obviously things will change and, and teams will draft people and those things will happen. But knowing everything about all these teams that we know, and that's the quarterback situations for each of them. Let's say, let's pretend that everything is even, right? And you could have your choice of any of those jobs, knowing what you know right now about all of them. So everything's on the table, right? Draft position, roster, all that stuff. If you had to take an NFC South job, which which of these franchises do you think is in the best shape right now? Probably the Buccaneers. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they were a playoff team. They weren't great. They had injuries on the line. Uh, they had injuries at the receiver position throughout the season. But they're probably the most complete team out of all four of them. And when I say the most complete, I mean, that's relative. Uh, but they're better. I think they're a better team than the other three in the division. What's going to happen is that if, uh, if it ends up being these four quarterbacks, starting for these four teams and you're right there's still movement and you know anything could happen one of them will end up being really good I can't imagine a scenario where all four of them are bad and we, we've seen Jameis Winston have flashes of success in the past uh, but I think one of these guys would step up and we will be talking at the end of next season uh, about how good at least one of them is but I don't think it's going to stand this way. I think that ultimately there's going to be a trade or a free agent signing or something like that, and we will see somebody different at least in one of those spots. Well, I don't think any one of these four guys is going to be good, so I'll I'll disagree in that regard. I think probably Desmond Ritter has the best chance, but he did not look good last year. I think the Panthers are going to make a change. I think they're going to draft somebody. Um I don't know anything about Kyle Trask, and we've seen Jameis Winston, and he'll get hurt, probably. So I, I don't know that this, but it's just it's wild to have it all sort of filter into one division. And I think the reason that's interesting is I, I don't think the Falcons would do it. I think they're going to ride with Ritter. But the other three teams get pretty interesting if you're one of these many free agent quarterbacks, right, that has a chance to go somewhere. And there's some of this in the AFC South. But honestly, the NFC South's worse. If if you're a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo and you're, you know, or or somebody in that mold or Derek Carr, right? And you just want to get back to the postseason, doesn't going to the NFC South make some sense? Like the Buccaneers becomes a become a relatively attractive job, I think, because at least in the short term, you've still got Mike Ed- Mike Evans and Chris Godwin there. Um and that's, you know, that's definitely a start. The line could get healthier. And Rashad White at running back now, who is a developing player, they've got some weapons. That seems like a pretty attractive free agent spot to me. Yeah, I would think so, too. Of course, we know the the struggles that Tom Brady had behind a really injured line. Um, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to take time. And I think you're going to have to roll the dice a little bit for that offensive line to be healthy. And so I think if you're a Derek Carr, for instance, or you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or, or somebody looking for a new home. Um, I think Tampa Bay is attractive, but also you would have a little bit concern about can this offensive line stay healthy? And if they can't, then I might be running for my life the entire season. That would be the only concern that I would have. But you're right. The skill positions in Tampa Bay, I think head and shoulders above any other team in that division. 
Well, and it's not just that. I mean, Tampa, look, Tampa won the division in a down year. But Tampa's also real fresh off Super Bowl, right? And and real fresh off of almost getting to a second one with Tom Brady. And I, I just don't know how bad that roster is. I think it's probably still pretty good. I think spi- things spiraled out on them last year. If I'm a if I'm a guy like Derek Carr, or even Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that's a spot you really look at. The Colts would be a spot you really look at. Like who are these teams that really disappointed last year? And yeah, the Bucks got into the playoffs, but they disappointed last year. Like who are those teams that are not as bad as last year getting away from them would indicate? That could immediately put you back into a position to win, and I think. The Bucks are absolutely one of those teams. The Saints are also really interesting, and I don't know how committed to Jameis Winston the Saints are. That's going to be a really interesting storyline, I think, this offseason because Chris Olave uh, was as good as any of the rookie receivers, really. Um, Michael Thomas is still there, right? They still have Alvin Kamara. They still have a pretty good defense at times, although they disappointed this year, and I, I, I think a decent line. That's another spot where... Like, are they really pot committed to Jameis Winston, or would they be interested in taking one of these guys? Well, I think one of the things to also keep in mind is the overall system that one of these free agents would go into. You know, Dennis Allen is a defensive coach in New Orleans. Uh, Todd Bowles is a defensive coach in Tampa Bay. You could also go to Carolina and play with Frank Reich, who's a former quarterback. I don't and think so Carolina is going to do that. I think Carolina is going to take their young quarterback and just roll with Matt Corral otherwise because they took him last year. I, I think Carolina, and the only reason I don't include them because I would agree with that, is I think there's almost a 100% chance they go quarterback. I mean, the, draft, you know, the uncertainty I mean. the uncertainty with Tampa Bay is that Byron Leftwich is gone uh, and Todd Bowles is a defensive coach. And as we've talked about before, the most success that – Tom Brady had this last season in Tampa Bay was when he was calling his own plays at the, in the huddle. And so, you know, I, it makes me wonder what they're going to do with their long-term offensive scheme, uh, because you're bringing in a new offensive coordinator who presumably will call plays. Uh, and so again, if I'm a free agent quarterback, I think that's got to make some sense, right? You know, going into a system in Tampa Bay where they've got a new offensive coordinator, you've got a lot of weapons, a lot of talent at the skill positions and the receivers and all of that. Uh, but what does the play calling look like and how well would that fit in for, uh, you know, a Derek Carr, for instance, or, um, a Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody like that looking for a new home. Uh, one team that doesn't have any questions at quarterback is Cincinnati. And we go into an off season for them where, you know, a part of the disappointment for them is going to be the cheap quarterback aspect of that team is gone. I think that they are a really, really, um, tough off season because they got to, you know, I, and I don't think they have to do it this year, but this is usually the time with a guy like Joe Burrow that you get that done. Uh, so you lose that ability. Um, Burrow is scheduled to make just five and a half million next year, eleven and a half against the cap, and then they'd have a fifth year option for a fully guaranteed close to thirty million. But like, at what point do you extend that out? I think you have to have those conversations now. And this is where things that happen for Lamar Jackson this offseason become really interesting. And this is where. Deshaun Watson becomes really interesting, right? Like which is going to, who's going to be the next quarterback to swing for that fence in a fully guaranteed deal. 
And is there any team and any player that a team would be comfortable giving that to? I mean, Joe Burrows is good an example as anybody of a guy. If somebody's going to get a deal like that, he'd be the guy. But even then, like, unless it becomes a trend, I don't see any reason NFL teams would ever do this just from a business standpoint, not from a, you know, morality standpoint or, 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 you know, whatever. But even a guy like Joe Burrow, like, would you really give him the kind of contract Deshaun Watson got? If anybody, if anybody should, it's him, but I still don't even know. Well, and Cincinnati would be smart to do that. I think, you know, to, to lock up that quarterback, I know it's a guaranteed contract, but to lock up their franchise guy for a long time. Now, you know, Kansas City did this with Patrick Mahomes. It wasn't guaranteed like we've seen some of these other contracts coming out uh, looking like, but I don't think it's too early for Cincinnati to try to start those conversations, but I do think it's too early for Joe Burrow to start having those conversations on his end. Um, it It wouldn't be, in my mind, the wrong thing for Joe Burrow to do to wait a little bit longer. I think his stock will continue to rise. Uh, and, and I'm not suggesting he's going to leave Cincinnati, but you could get probably a lot more money on the open market when that time comes. So if I'm Joe Burrow, I'm not going to lock myself in. Even if it is guaranteed money, I'm not going to lock myself in right now when there's still quite a bit of time left on my rookie deal. I might just go out there and, and let it ride uh, and see ultimately when that time comes to have those conversations if I can you know, increase my value. There's a good story on this up right now at CBS Sports. Um, and, and it becomes this debate sort of, are you are you wanting to be the highest paid player or would you rather have a fully guaranteed contract? And that goes into what you're just saying there. If you want to be the highest paid player, yeah, you wait, right? You let the market continue to reset itself. But if you want the security of a fully guaranteed deal, I think the closer you can get that to the Deshaun Watson deal, the more likely the chance you could get it. And for Cincinnati's put in this difficult spot because Cleveland opened Pandora's box, right? If they were to give Joe Burrow a fully guaranteed deal, now we're starting to see a trend, right? And more guys are going to want fully guaranteed deals. And that may be where the league needs to go. But it, but it's going to be really tough business for teams to do that. And I think if you're Burrow, it is that discussion, right? Or... We don't know. Look, I don't know anything about Joe Burrow. He may come in and do a super team friendly deal similar to what Patrick Mahomes did. That could be what he does. I have no idea. Guys have done that. For, Tony Romo used to do it. Uh, Tom Brady used to do it. Some guys do it. Some guys don't. Um, so we don't, I don't know that piece of it. But let's just say his motivation is the, the big deal, right? Do you want to be the highest paid? Or do you want to get the fully guaranteed money? That's a tough, that's a difficult that's a difficult answer. I think Burrow is like Mahomes in that you if you're the organization, everything has got to be about him for as long as you can make it about him, right? So there could be some combination of both, but even Mahomes' deal isn't fully guaranteed. I, I just – I don't know which is better for the player, to continue to inflate a yearly salary or to continue to push for these fully guaranteed deals. I mean, think about how that franchise has changed for the positive. Uh, It's insane. Simply because of Joe Burrow. And and coaching plays into that, too, and and other positions. But, you know, 
there wasn't this kind of uh, attention, wasn't this kind of success with Andy Dalton, uh, wasn't this kind of success and attention with Carson Palmer, uh, but but there is with Joe Burrow. And again, it goes back to the the uh, the thought that having an elite top tier quarterback uh, and and locking that quarterback in long term is the most successful thing that a team can do. It's the most important thing that a team can do. Um, you've got the haves and the have-nots in the National Football League based on the quarterback that you have. And Joe Burrow is young enough to where we could be talking about another 15-plus years of Joe Burrow with Cincinnati. And I think that the Bengals' front office probably realizes, and if they if they don't right now, they absolutely should realize that their best chance to continue to compete for championships long-term is to do, try to do what Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City has done, and that would be try to lock up Joe Burrow for a long time. And the other difficult part that Cincinnati's going to have to deal with is what Kansas City has had to deal with in the last two off-seasons. you got to pick which guys you can pay. I, I see zero chance that they can pay both T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, right? Like the, Both of those guys are not going to be Bengals forever. They won't be able to afford them and Joe Burrow. So now you've got to make those difficult decisions. You've got to balance that in with, right? You got to go with Burrow and try to ne- negotiate that and maneuver it all at the same time. Kansas City has done a a really really good job of that. Cincinnati's going to have to try to do the same thing. Yeah, it, it's it's masterful from Brett Veach because the strategy is you know to pay the top guys a lot of money and then to fill in the gaps through the draft. Um, that's why there were, what, nine or ten rookies that got meaningful snaps in the AFC Championship game for Kansas City. So you have to draft extremely well. And then the other gaps that you try to fill are with players that you're taking a flyer on that maybe had a down year and you're bringing them in on a prove-it deal like a Juju Smith-Schuster or other players like that where you know you might not keep them long-term. Uh, I, I thought it was so remarkable going back a, a couple of years that they kept Sammy Watkins as long as they did. Um, And not that Sammy Watkins was great by any means, but it seemed like every year there was the discussion like, uh, yep, Watkins is not coming back. You know, he can probably go make money with another team, Uh, but he would stick around for another year and another year. And I think that it becomes appealing to want to play for a franchise and and play with a quarterback uh, like Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. So I think that that's got to be, I mean, there's the blueprint. The blueprint is there. Uh, we, we've seen it with Kansas City. Cincinnati has to make sure that they're drafting well also and that they're you know, making good decisions on free agents that are not going to cost them a lot of money, but they very well could contribute and make an impact for them even in the short term. Yeah, it's – I don't know. Cincinnati's interesting, and, and I hope they get it right because – I, I think their their story is great for football. I think, you know, getting them back up and, and doing this is fun, and I just want them to sort of run parallel with Kansas City as much as they can because I want to keep watching them play each other, Mahomes and Burrow. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll continue uh, the conversation around the Shockers tonight. We'll get you ready for the Houston game uh, as Sports Daily rolls through this Thursday. Big game day for Wichita State, really as big as they've had all season long. We'll go back to the Shockers next T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network 
from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Glad to be with you on this Thursday. It is a game day for Wichita State. They've had a little extra time to prepare for the big one against Houston tonight. And it is a 12-and-a-half-point spread for the Shockers taking on the Cougars. Uh, Tommy, I think I'm going to get on the plus 12-and-a-half. I don't think I've got the gall to take the... Money line right now. Money line's at plus 550, which is really big. Uh, but the 12.5 points I actually do like a little bit. I, I think there's a decent chance Wichita State is up for this game, plays a complete game, and gives Houston, you know, a, if nothing else, a little bit of a run. But 12.5 points, you know, and I, let me let me look at this because I'm not sure – Wichita State, I mean, that's a number that they've been within, it feels like, in just about every game they've played in this year. But they haven't played uh, but, the number two team in the country before tonight. That's correct. You're, you're, you're right about that. They played Memphis on the road within 10. Um, and let me just look at, you know, even wins that they're within that number usually. I'm trying to see uh, East Carolina, that game that got away from them early in the year was a 10-point loss. Uh, 10 point loss to Oklahoma state, Kansas state was a five point loss. Yeah, that's it. They, they've, they've been closer than that in every game. Now you're right. Houston's the number three team, but you're at home number one. Um, and I think that they are playing better right now. Generally speaking, I kind of like within that 12 and a half tonight. I might take a flyer on the money line. I mean, those odds are high enough. I mean, look, I don't think that Wichita state's gonna win. But at plus five fifty, I mean, hey, I might throw that. a few bucks on yeah. it. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that's big. And of course, you know, knowing that the game is at home, um, maybe something special can happen tonight. I like those odds to throw a couple bucks on a flyer on the money line. Yeah, like a five dollar bet on the money line just yeah. for fun. But then, right. but then a normal bet, if if I'm picking a side, <laughs> a normal bet with within the number, I think looks pretty good to me. 
The over-under is 131.5. Now, that is interesting. Uh, Wichita State, this has been funny. Among betting, like, they were always a bet-the-under team, like, for the last two years, right? Until they've made this shift recently, and now all of a sudden they became a bet-the-over because everybody's used to the, you know, they haven't adjusted. But against Houston, I mean, 131, you get, if you're, you're talking, you know, 65, 65, you know, 67, 65, and you're, and you're covered there. Uh, I'm going to stay away from it because of, you know, Houston's ability to defend and, and Wichita State we know has that in the tank too. But it is, a, it is still a low number for a shocker game. If, uh, if you're going to bet on Wichita State to cover, then I would think that you would probably lean towards the under. Uh, because again, if you, if you want to, if you're going to try to limit Houston, uh, and, and you're going to have to probably try to turn it into a slog, as I said at the top of the show, I don't think Wichita State wants to get into a track meet uh, and a shootout with Houston. Um, so if you like them to cover that number, I w- I would suggest looking at the under for this game because that's going to be, I think, the best way for Wichita State to cover. They went right to that number. They went exactly 231 in 2021 when they beat them. Last year's game went to double overtime, and they got 76-74. So I'm sure in regulation, without looking it up, it was also uh, probably under. So history in this series also points that way. It's just recent play for the Shockers doesn't necessarily point that way. Uh, and and that's what's probably going to make me lean away from that. Houston in its last few games, um, it, most of the time they are over that number. Uh, but, you know, they also are capable. That Temple game, which you brought up, was was just a, just a you know, 56-55, everything's brutal. Other than that game, though, Houston does typically get over that number. Um, so I would probably go the opposite of you. I'm, I'm not, I don't think I'm going to touch the over-under, Tommy, but if I did, I think I'd actually probably take the over. Um, and that's, you know, Houston, what are the chances Houston has a good offensive game too, like they do most of the time, right? And they're, and they're getting clear north of 70 most of the time. So it's tricky. It is an interesting one to look at, though, tonight from a betting perspective. I, I will be on the Shockers plus 12 and a half. Um, and I don't think that line's going to move. I think that's about where it'll stay. That's where it is on BetMGM right now. And it's right where I thought it would be uh, coming into the day. And I like it. So we've talked about, you know, early on in this show, the magnitude of this game tonight. Let's just say that Wichita State wins the game. Let's say that they're able to put together a great game plan, take down Houston, huge upset inside Coke Arena. At that point, assuming that, let's say that that happens. At that point, where do you put the future of the program? Uh, both short-term and long-term. Uh, long-term, Because I think that there can be some some massive takeaways uh, and we'll probably talk about it tomorrow morning if there's a victory. Where would you put? Where would you assess the future of the program at that point? I, I would say it could go either way. Um, I, I just keep thinking back to, and I, I know I say it all the time. Had they not blown that Tulane lead, I, I think we'd be having a totally different conversation. And and then you combine something like that with a win tonight, and I'd say there has not been a higher chance at any point in this season that the coaching staff would return if they're able to beat Houston tonight and then parlay that into some momentum. Maybe I think what we really have to watch for with this team more than anything else, more than any individual outcome is the continued development of these players, right? If we continue to see this team get better and I think this team is better 
than it was. That's the best chance. And I still don't think it's any better than 50-50 that a change isn't made. And I, and I honestly, I say 50-50 because I don't know, right? I don't know all of the secondary parts of that question that are sort of out of control of everybody anyway. Uh, they still have to pay the Greg Marshall contract, right? Like, I, I don't know the structure of Isaac Brown's. I don't know the financials of it. I don't know the conversations that are happening with Big Boo. That kind of stuff makes it challenging to look at it. But just from a basketball perspective, I would say even more important. There, there won't be a more important individual game than this one right now. But the continued development of the team, if they're able to get into fifth or fourth, even in the league, if they're able to win it, you know, those are the kinds of things that you're like, Ugh. you know, it makes it really tough. I don't know Kevin Saul well enough. I mean, other than him being right. on our show every couple sure. of weeks, I don't know him well enough to know uh, his thought process on things. But I, I would from just conversations with him on this on this program, you know, he seems to be a deliberate guy, uh, you know, seems to be a thoughtful guy. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's the kind of athletic director that would take a potential victory if it happens tonight um, all by itself in the assessment of Isaac Brown and the coaching staff. And what I mean by that is uh, I don't think that, you know, he's the he's the kind of guy that if Wichita State can win, he would right. say, all right, Isaac Brown is safe because he knocked off the number two team you know, in the country. I think there's more than that. And I think it's got to be the overall or body of work. But that being said, a victory tonight, I think could go a long way in the solidifying of this staff of this program long-term. Um, I think it can definitely play into that, but I don't think it's going to be that by itself. Sure. It could. I think the challenge and why it's so hard to predict is people ask us this question. I'm sure you get it all the time too. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. The, the, the reason that, I can't ever give a good answer on that is because the most important thing to that question is probably butts in those seats. And that's more complicated than just what happens on the floor each individual night. That's why it's hard for I mean, it'd be a total guess because butts in seats right now for that team, that program, that university yeah. are critical and they're, and they're not they there get, right now. They better get the butts in the seats tonight though. I mean, it's the biggest matchup of the entire season tonight at Coke arena. So uh, they need shocker nation to show out. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's on tap the rest of the day here on KFH next. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is kind. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And 
Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.